0: In February of 2013, uh, GFCC was kind of struggling. Uh, We we were struggling uh, attendance-wise and things like that, and we just weren't sure what direction we were going in. We weren't sure what we were doing. Uh, The leadership really uh, was uh, trying to figure some things out you know, what direction we're going to go in. And and, uh, I want to just acknowledge two people uh, who took a a big gamble. Our elders at the time uh, were John Hageman and Tony Martinez, and uh, they... Took a step of faith, a, a real step of faith, uh, and they brought on a vision coach who came and helped us get some things straightened out uh, with regard to leadership and, and what direction we were going in as a church. And so um, this guy came in and he started talking to us about you know, what direction we were going to go in, and, and uh, we, we kind of lost our way. Uh, we needed to focus on the Great Commission, on going out and telling people about Jesus and, and, and focusing on people who didn't know Jesus yet and um and so we started doing that and sure enough the church started to grow at at the time we were running about 150 160 on a sunday morning in one service we added a second service and started getting serious about reaching people didn't know jesus and next thing you know four years later we're running 300 people in two services and it was amazing to see what god did it was amazing just awesome to see what god was doing and then uh, we we brought the same guy back and we sat down we had another conversation about what we were going to do in the future what was our next step All right, we've doubled in size. What are we going to do now? And uh, he asked us a very simple question. Who do you want to reach? Do you want to reach people who know Jesus? Maybe they go to a different church, but they're not happy with their church, and, and maybe they're going to come here. Or do you want to reach people who, you know, grew up going to church, but maybe they fell away and they know who Jesus is? Or do you want to reach people who have no idea who Jesus is? Do you want to reach people who are far from God? every person in that room, we sat in a room for 20 hours over two and a half days. And every single person in that room said, we want to reach people who are unchurched, who, who've never been to church in their lives. Maybe it's been two or three generations since they've been to church. We want to reach those people. And that's not to say that not everyone's welcome here, because everyone's welcome here. But when it comes to who we're going to target and who we're going to reach out to and who we're going to try and, and, and reach, we want to reach people who don't know Jesus, who have no idea who He is at all. And I tell you what, I have never been more proud Or terrified to be the pastor of a church. Because I'm telling you, I was so proud of the people in that room who said, we want to reach the people who no one else is reaching. But I was terrified at the same time because I knew what that meant. It meant that we were inviting, messy, out-of-the-box type people into our church. And most churches aren't cool with that. See, a lot of churches, they want people who kind of look the same and act the same and they fit into the nice Christian box and we were saying, we don't want, we want to blow up the box. We want to do away with the box. And we want to reach everybody, whether they're far from God or, or near to God. If, and everyone, we were basically saying that everyone is welcome here. Regardless of your past, we're not concerned about your past. We're concerned about your future. We're concerned about your present. And are you going to love Jesus today and tomorrow and forever? It was a scary kind of thing because, again, a lot of churches, man, they got this box. You know, you, everybody has to look the same and act the same and, and, and listen to the same music and all these things. And we said, we're, we want to, we're, we're going to welcome everyone. It was exciting. And we've seen God bless that to the point now we've all, we, we're running a, almost 450 people on a weekend in uh, three services. It's just amazing to see what God is continuing to do. Uh, people always say you know it's like they'll say to me it's like wow man that's that's incredible it's like god is really blessing this i'm hoping that that's the case that it's not god just said washing washing his hands of us going eh, whatever you guys do what you're going to do i think that god really is working in the lives of people here at gfcc i hope he's working in your life and i hope the gfcc is a big part of that so when it comes to doing church outside the box when it comes to faith outside the box i believe that jesus is our model that Jesus did church. He did faith outside the box. And we're going to talk about that today as we continue on in our series through the book of Mark. Uh, we're in Mark chapter 7 today. Now, the book of Mark is a gospel. If you're not familiar with the New Testament, the, a gospel is a, uh, a biography of Jesus. This one was written by a man named Mark, who was a traveling companion of Peter. Uh, the apostle Peter went around preaching and teaching about what jesus said and did and mark wrote down all of those stories and he compiled them into a biography that we know as the gospel or the book of mark and there are 16 chapters in the book of mark uh, and there are 16 weeks from january 1st until easter weekend and we're going to cover 16 chapters of jesus's life uh, from january to easter and so um It's been a fun challenge. Uh, Mark writes really long chapters, so we don't read every verse. But we do put a reading plan in your bulletin. So if you've got a bulletin, take that home with you and follow along with the reading plan. We're going to read Mark chapter 8 this week, leading up till. Next weekend. So, uh, but for right now, if you brought a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 7. If you didn't bring one, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 712 of that Bible. Uh, we'll also put the words on the screen, uh, as well as uh, you can follow along in your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. Uh, Bible Gateway, U version, either one is a really good Bible app. Uh, and in just three weeks, we're going to introduce a brand new tool here at GFCC. To help you grow in faith. And we're very excited about that. That's it. Unashamed night, we're gonna debut this brand new tool that you can use. I'm excited. Oh yes, it's gonna be a colossal failure, I'm sure. No, 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 no. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. So you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Some of you are like, I'm not gonna love it, Sean. I'm not gonna love it. I'm just gonna refuse to love it. But it's okay. So in Mark chapter seven, we see that Jesus is once again on the move. Uh, Everywhere Jesus goes in the book of Mark, he's always on the move. He's always going somewhere. And so he, uh, this time at the beginning of Mark chapter 7, he's not the one on the move. Actually, some other people are on the move toward Jesus. That is the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They came from Jerusalem to see what Jesus was doing. They were investigating Jesus. They had heard about him and all the miracles he was doing and the things that he was doing. And they wanted to find out what was going on. And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law come from Jerusalem to where Jesus is. It's over 70 miles to get to where Jesus was. Now here's the thing about the Pharisees. You may not know. It's like, what's a Pharisee? Well, Pharisees were experts in God's law. They were experts in the Old Testament. What we know as the Old Testament. They were experts in the law. In fact, they knew the law so well uh, that they interpreted it for everybody else. So there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. And what the Pharisees did is they would go ahead and interpret those laws in practical ways for people to live out. The only thing is, is that they would do it in such minute detail that they heaped burdens of rule following on people. And they elevated their traditions and their interpretations to the status of God's law, to the status of God's word. We'll talk about that in just a second. So Jesus and his disciples are sitting down to eat, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law notice something about his disciples. They weren't washing their hands before they ate. I know, it sounds gross and everything, and I don't know what happened in the first century, but what it, in the Old Testament, uh, the priests of Israel were required to ceremonially wash their hands before they would perform their priestly duties. And the elders uh, and the leaders of Israel eventually uh, put into place that you should wash your hands before you eat. Just in case you became ceremonially unclean in any way, you need to wash your hands before you ate. It wasn't in God's word, but it was a tradition that was passed on from the elders down through the generations. So the, elder, the uh, Pharisees and the te- teachers of the law noticed that Jesus' disciples aren't washing their hands. Look at verses 5 through 8. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Jesus is going to lay the smack down. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. They had elevated their traditions and their interpretations of God's word to the status of God's word. And I'm here to tell you that tradition and interpretation are not at the same level of God's word. God's word is God's word. Okay? And so when Jesus says, your hearts are far from me, you honor me with your lips, you talk a good game, but your hearts are not in it. That you look really good on the outside, but inside, not so much. And there was a practical application of this that Jesus talks about in Mark 7. It's the principle of Korban. Now, in those days, you could take possessions and money, and you could set them aside to donate them to the temple. For example, this guitar. Okay, let's say this is, you know, Jimmy's guitar. And uh, Jimmy's going to donate his guitar to the church, and he would label it as Korban. Now, here's the problem. Jesus, uh, God said in the Ten Commandments, commandment number five is honor your father and mother. And what the priests had done in their tradition said, well, anything you dedicate to the temple is something that you don't have to give to your parents. And so they were dishonoring their parents by dedicating their things to the temple. It looked good on the outside. Oh, look at Jimmy. He donated that fine Taylor guitar. But at the same time, he's not taking care of his parents like he's supposed to like the Old Testament commanded. One was a tradition, the other was a command. But in order to look good to people, they would donate these things to the temple. And they were doing it for a religious show. And that was one of Jesus' biggest criticism of the Pharisees, is that they were doing things for the show, to show people that they were holy, to show people that they were devout, to show people that they were religious. Know anybody like that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You may be someone like that. No, I'm sorry, not in my church. Um, uh, but uh, I may be someone like that. And nobody said a word like, no, not you, Sean. No. No, everyone's like, yeah, we believe it. We totally believe it. But when it comes to uh, Jesus and the Pharisees, um, he told them, it's not what goes, it's not what come, goes into your mouth like food, dietary laws, it's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean. It what comes, it's what goes into your heart and what comes out of your heart. Well, look at verse 13. He says, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. He's talking about the Korban idea. He's talking about how they would do many things that put on a good show, but their hearts weren't in it. His disciples... They don't understand what Jesus is talking about. Look at verses 18 and 19. I love this question that Jesus asked them. Are you so dull? He asked. I wonder how many times he's, it's not recorded like how many times he said that in the Bible. But I'm sure he said it over and over and over again. Guys, you don't get it. You just don't get it. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? Like bacon? No. That, it pork. Don't eat pork. Old Testament, right? right? Don't you see that nothing enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it is, doesn't go into his heart but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He's saying it's a matter of conscience. Uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we see that there were Jewish Christians who were telling Gentile Christians that they weren't allowed to eat. They had to follow the, uh, the Jewish dietary laws. And Jesus is saying, no, no, it's not about dietary laws. It's about the heart. And then he says this in verses uh, 20, 21 and uh, 20 through 23. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. It's not about what you eat. It's about how you live that makes you unclean unclean in God's eyes it's about those thoughts and about those actions that are sinful that cause uh, you to be unclean Jesus says it's about the heart but see in those days the ones who were looked up to didn't have the cleanest hearts but Jesus knew he knew what was going on in their minds he knew what was going on in their hearts the Pharisees wanted everyone in a box. And Jesus says, no, we're not going to do faith, faith inside the box anymore. We're doing faith outside the box. Well, from there, uh, Jesus goes to the vicinity of Tyre. Tyre was a city, uh, a coastal city. Uh, and it, it was in a predominantly Gentile region. And now you've got to know something about Jews and Gentiles. They did not get along. In fact, the Jews looked down on Gentiles. Uh, the Jews viewed Gentiles as like wild street dogs. So th- it was not a good relationship. And if you touched a Gentile, if you were a Jew and you touched a Gentile, it would make you unclean. And, and in those days, customarily, you weren't even supposed to talk to a Gentile, let alone a Gentile woman. And yet a Gentile woman shows up to Jesus because her daughter is possessed by a demon. And she wants Jesus. She begs Jesus to cast this demon out of her daughter. And and this is what happens. Um, look at verses uh, verse 27. She begs Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. It says, First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. That doesn't sound very Jesus-y, does it? No, it was a, a cultural thing. And but like I said, Jesus doesn't care much for cultural things. and He doesn't care much for societal or religious customs and traditions. No, he's going to do faith outside the box. And so uh, he says to her, look, I came for the lost children and the lost children of Israel. I didn't come for the Gentiles yet. That doesn't happen to the book of Acts. But the woman shows great faith in Jesus. When she says in verse 28, yes, Lord, she replied. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She I know you didn't come for me and my people, but I need your help. And Jesus has compassion on her and he heals her daughter. She shows great faith and Jesus shows great love and he goes outside the box of societal and religious customs and traditions. But wait, there's more. Because he ends up, he goes 20 miles down the road to another town uh, in, the, the, in the Decapolis. The Decapolis was a city of 10 gen, uh, was a region of 10 Gentile cities. Deca meaning 10, polis meaning city. So it was 10 cities, and they're all Gentile cities. Again, Jews didn't associate with Gentiles. They, they looked down on them. Well, Jesus is there, and some guys bring a friend of theirs to Jesus. These are all Gentile guys. They come to Jesus, and their friend cannot hear. And he doesn't communicate very clearly. He's deaf and mute. Look at verses 33 through 35. Jesus takes the man aside, away from the crowd. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Again, he's touching a Gentile. Not supposed to do that. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Ew, just ew. Saliva was thought to have medicinal properties, just so you know. So it's weird, but not weird. Uh, He looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh said to him, "Ephatha." Which means, be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. So Jesus heals this Gentile man. Again, Jesus does faith outside the box. You can't keep Jesus in a box. You don't have a box big enough for Jesus. So he does faith outside the box and he heals this man. And everyone is amazed. Look at verse 37. It says, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus does faith outside the box. And as a church here at GFCC, I want to do faith outside the box. Because there's lots of boxes that we think we have to check off in order to be a good Christian or to be a good church member. And there's all these boxes that we think we have to fit into or that we think other people have to fit into it's like if you're not going to fit in our box, then we don't want you. You ever hear of churches like that? Don't raise your hand. Because I know you have. But if we're going to do faith outside the box, if we're going to do faith outside the box, it means that we have to, it means we have to honor God's word over upholding traditions. We have to honor God's word over upholding traditions. If you are more concerned about somebody's what somebody's wearing versus the condition of their heart you may have a Pharisee problem because here's the thing all right you know used to be one of the traditions that you got to wear your Sunday best right and some of you are like man why can't we go back to that (laughs) and some of you do some of you wear your Sunday best and you're like Sean why don't you wear your Sunday best I'm here to tell you this is (laughs) I know that sounds weird it's like Sean where's your three-piece suit I don't even own a three-piece suit Piece three doesn't fit, like the vest. Like, too many pizza rolls, man. Piece three don't fit. Well, why, you know, don't you have a nice pair of pants? I'm here to tell you right now, and this is all honestly the truth. These are the most expensive pair of pants I own. They're Calvin Klein jeans. They cost $75. Don't judge. But they're the most expensive pair of pants I own. So these are technically, I'm wearing them on Sunday, my Sunday vest. There you go. So, if you're more, but if you're more concerned, if you're more concerned about the way someone's dressed than the fact that they're here, you may have a Pharisee problem. If you're more concerned about whether somebody fits into your box of what a Christian is or what a Christian should be or what a Christian acts like, if you're more concerned about your box than you are about somebody's heart or somebody's soul, you may have a Pharisee problem. If you're more concerned about the car someone drives, or you're more concerned about the house that they live in than you are about their soul or the condition of their heart, you may have a Pharisee problem. See, we have got to uphold God's Word over our rules and traditions. Because here's the thing, if you don't know God's Word, then how are you going to know what a true Christian looks like anyway? So I want to encourage you today to uphold God's Word over traditions. Uphold God's word over man-made rules. And and you may be thinking, well, I can't read God's word. Yeah, you can. In fact, you should. You may come from a tradition where they say, don't read God's word, we'll tell you what it means. No, no, I'm here to tell you, you can read God's word, and you should read God's word. Well, what should I read? Start with the book of Mark, where we are now. Read the book of Acts, and read the book of Romans. Romans. Well, what kind of Bible should I use? Whatever one you can understand. Like, if you like the these and the thous and the thou shalt nots and the thou shalts of the King James Version and you can understand that, read it. Read it. Or if you like something a little easier to understand, read the NIV, the New International Version. That's what I preach from. Or the New Living Translation. It's a great translation, real easy to read. Just read your Bible, it's okay. It's God's communication to you. It is his love letter to you. God chose to write a letter to you all about himself and all about his son and how to have a relationship with him through Jesus. That if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing in him and turning away from sin and repentance, confessing your faith and getting baptized, God will wash away your sins and you will enter into an eternal relationship with him. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. That way you'll know the truth. And what did Jesus say? The truth will set you free. Read your Bible. And then you'll know how to uphold God's word over tradition. The second thing that we're going to do, to do faith outside the box, faith outside the box means loving people more than loving our traditions. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some traditions that we do that are really good. We baptize by immersion. We had a baptism at the first service today. We baptize by immersion because that's what they did in the Bible. It's a tradition that we uphold. It's what baptism's all about. We, we do communion every Sunday. It's a tradition that we do here because that's what they did in the early church. Some traditions are important to uphold. Other traditions, not so much. Again, if, you, <laughs> if you're more concerned about people uh, and, and, and people being perfect than people being here, you may have a Pharisee problem. You see, we're not here to just stamp out cookie-cutter Christians to make everybody look the same. We're all different. And we're all a mess. Amen? We're all broken. Amen? And if we expect people to walk through those doors for the first time and, and, and expect them to have their act together and expect them to have their life together and expect them to have, you know, the perfect life the, the perfect car with the perfect house and the, the perfect 2.3 kids. we ain't going to happen. Because nobody's life is perfect. And we shouldn't expect people to fall into our perfect little church box before they come to Jesus. Because Jesus never expected anybody to be perfect when they came to him. He understood that lives are messy. And that's why, we do, that's why we're committed to doing church outside the box. That if your life is a mess, if your life is broken, if your life is far from perfect, guess what? You're in the right box for GFCC. You're in the right place. This is where you belong. You're surrounded by broken people. You're surrounded by imperfect people. You may be thinking, man, I'm in the wrong church. (laughs) No, you're in the right one. See, GFCC isn't a shrine for saints. It's a hospital for the spiritually sick and dying. GFCC isn't a shrine for saints. It is a hospital for the sick and dying. Because people are broken and people are hurting. People's lives are falling apart. And if they think that they have to check off all these boxes and they have to get, have to get everything together and they've got to get their act together and they've got to have everything perfect before they can walk in those doors, I, no, you don't. In fact, it's better if you don't. Because Jesus is the one who can heal. Jesus is the one who can fix. Jesus is the one who can perfect you when you feel imperfect. Jesus is the one who can heal you when you feel broken and hurt. Jesus is the one who can restore you when you feel like things have fallen apart. When you're at the end of your rope, he is there waiting to catch you. And he won't let you fall. He won't. And if you come in here expecting judgment. And if you come in here expecting condemnation. And if you come in here expecting people to hate you for how you live or where you've been or what you've done or your addictions or your fears or your doubts. Whatever you fear the most, I'm telling you, you're not going to find that here. You're going to find love. And you're going to find acceptance. And you're going to find a family That will welcome you every single time you walk in those doors. Because our job isn't to attract perfect people, our job is to love broken people. And that's what we do. Because we do church outside the box. Because Jesus did ministry outside the box. Jesus reached people who are outside the box. And there are a lot of people who feel like they are outside the box and that they are too far gone. Or they feel like they are too uh, far away from God and that God could never love them. And I'm here to tell you right now, if that's you, if you feel like God could never love you, if you feel like that God wouldn't have anything to do with you, you you don't know my God. And you don't know my Jesus. Because my Jesus came for you. Came for me. So the next time you're tempted... To feel like you're just too far outside the box. I want you to remember this. Jesus loves people who are outside the box. He changes people who are outside the box. He transforms lives that are outside the box. After all, (laughs) look what he's done for you.